Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Tyson Bibb, and a special welcome to any guests or visitors we have, may have joining us this day. Please know you're always very welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. And we've come to it, the end of all things, that is the end of the church year. Uh, and this is a day that we celebrate because we look forward to uh, the return of our Lord and our glorious entrance into the paradise that he has promised for all those who believe in him. We have also the great joy of receiving that foretaste until that great eternal feast comes in the Lord's Supper this day. And so then we ask that all those who join us at this altar to receive the Lord's body and blood be of one common confession with us. That is, by either being a member of our congregation or another member congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Uh, for any more uh, information or inside teaching uh, from the scriptures on this uh, um, meal and, and then the closed fellowship that we celebrate there. I would love to talk with you after the service. I'll turn your attention then to the inside back cover of your bulletin this morning as we have the Focused on Christ section, a summary of today's readings, where we hear the following. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, we hear from our epistle this day. The arrival of the bridegroom will be sudden and unexpected. Therefore, you are to be watchful and ready like the five wise virgins we will hear of in the gospel. For you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is to return. The lamps are the word of Christ. The oil in the lamps is the Holy Spirit who works through the word to create and sustain the flame of faith in Christ. The foolish are those who do not give proper attention to the working of the Holy Spirit in baptism, the preaching of the word in Christ's supper, and so their faith does not endure. The wise, however, are those who diligently attend to these gifts of the Spirit and who therefore have an abundance of oil. The flame of faith endures to the end. By God's grace, they are received into the eternal wedding feast of the Lamb and His kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth created by the Lord for the joy of His people. Our service this day is Divine Service Setting 3 as it begins on page 184. We now sing the first hymn. Lord God, Heavenly Father, send forth your Son, we pray, to lead home his bride, the Church, that with all the company of the redeemed we may finally enter into his eternal wedding feast. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the last Sunday of the church year is from Isaiah chapter 65. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy, and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. 
Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying, there is peace and security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some oil, some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon text this day is from the Gospel lesson heard earlier, verses 10 to 13. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Well, dear saints, as I said earlier, the end has come. That is, the end of the church year. Advent begins next Sunday, and that means that the church year is coming to a conclusion. And with the end of the church year comes Jesus' teaching about the end of the world, the end of all things, and indeed his return. 
That's what we hear today in the gospel lesson. Jesus is teaching his disciples and his church about his return and the importance of hearing and receiving his word and gifts until that day comes. As is often the case with Jesus' parables, there's a lot going on here. So today we're going to take some time to explore the full meaning of what Christ is teaching us this day. To listen careful to his warning and rejoice in his gifts of grace which he gives to us, his church, until the day he returns in glory. So, let's start at the beginning, shall we? Jesus says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. At this point, it's helpful to know that Israelite weddings are, well, not like ours today in so many ways. On the wedding day, the bridegroom would get dressed for the wedding and his friends would escort him to the bride's house. Once at the bride's house, she would come out with all her bridesmaids, all her attendants, and the whole wedding party would process to the home of the groom that he had prepared for his bride. They would go to the wedding feast. It, would, it was a joyous occasion, just as weddings are today. Now, in the parable, the virgins are supposed to wait for the groom and be ready for his re- arrival, regardless of the time. Now, listen to what Jesus says. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for all of us, and for, your, for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Now, it could be that the foolish bridesmaids thought the groom would come quickly, hence they didn't bring the extra oil. Regardless of what their thinking was, they are proven by their actions to be foolish. Why? Well, the bridegroom doesn't come until midnight. All of the bridesmaids fell asleep, but the wise bridesmaids, they were prepared. They had oil. The five foolish ones have lamps that won't stay lit, and so in desperation they try to bung some oil from the five wise bridesmaids, but they're told, no way. If we did that, then none of us would have oil and all our lamps would go out. The only solution for the five foolish bridesmaids, well, it's to find a 24-hour Walmart so that they can have some lamp oil. It's not looking good for the foolish virgins. So what happens to them? Jesus says, while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now, for a moment, you might think to yourselves, well, didn't the five wise bridesmaids speak up for the foolish ones? Wouldn't the bridegroom know who was in the wedding party and who wasn't? But you have to remember, this is a parable. And it is a parable about Christ's church, his return, and the end of the world. To understand the parable, it's crucial to understand the symbolism behind the lamps, the bridegroom's return, the door which was shut, and his words, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. So let's unpack those one at a time, shall we? The lamps and the oil, they represent the faith given in holy baptism by the Holy Spirit. Now, I preach about baptism a lot, and that's because, well, it's very important. It was at your baptism that Jesus claimed you as his own. You do not belong to the world. You don't belong to the devil. You belong to God. He has made you his child. 
You were bought at a price, that is, the precious blood of Christ shed on the cross for you. Your life is not your own. You are a child of God, washed clean of your sin, marked with the sign of the cross, and you have upon your forehead the triune name of God, who has claimed you as his own. And you are each a member of Christ's church. In Jesus' parable, each of those ten virgins, they are Christians. They all have faith. They all have a lamp with oil. So it is that all of you have been given the gift of faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior. To put you into the parable, you all have a lamp and you all have oil. So this begs the question. So then what does it mean that the foolish virgins don't bring oil and the wise ones do? Well, now we're getting down to the heart of it. The heart of the parable and Jesus' word of warning. To be blunt... There are Christians in this world who have faith in Jesus, but they really don't care about that gift of faith which God has given to them. These are Christians who rarely, if ever, read or hear God's word. Worship is something they attend only if nothing better is going on. Prayer? Why? The Lord knows what I'm thinking. Daily time in the Bible? Well, don't you know that that's only for super religious people and you don't want to be one of those, am I right? Now, sure, they have faith in Jesus, but, you know, they don't get all worked up about it. Because, well, that's, you know, just not what you do. It's not like having a right relationship with God is really all that important, right? The foolish virgins, they represent those Christians who will not persevere in the faith. In other words, they had faith at one time, but they neglected God's gift of faith, and they neglected the very thing which creates, feeds, strengthens, and sustains faith that is God's word and sacrament. The foolish virgins represent every single Christian who at one time had faith in Jesus, but then rejected that gift through neglect. It doesn't matter whether the neglect was intentional or a result of apathy, something the ancients called akadia, that is spiritual sloth and indifference, or just being too busy for God's word. The foolish virgins are ultimately shut out of heaven because they rejected Christ in unbelief. Now, that's what it means that the door was shut on the wedding feast. And that is why the bridegroom, Jesus, says, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. These are chilling words. Why? Well, because it is not God's fault that the foolish virgins are shut out of heaven. It is the virgins' fault. They denied God's word and sacrament for so long that the lamp of their faith went out. Now, just in case this parable is still unclear, let me tell you a little story about a country pastor and a farmer. Walter was a farmer and a lifelong member of Grace Lutheran Church. He just never got married. His life was filled with the day-to-day -day duties of running the farm, but he always made time for Sunday morning worship until he didn't. One Sunday morning passed without Walter being in worship, and then another and another the pastor, Pastor Smith, he called Walter after his first absence, but the farmer never called him back. The Monday morning after his fourth time missing church, Walter looked out his frost-covered kitchen window and saw Pastor Smith walking up to his house. Oh no, Walter thought. Pastor's come to read me the riot act. I haven't been in church in weeks. Pastor Smith knocked on the door and Walter answered with a smile, welcomed him in, offered him a hot cup of coffee. Pastor Smith said, asked Walter, he says, do you mind if we sit by the fireplace? It's kind of chilly this morning. Walter agreed. And as they sat down, Pastor Smith grabbed the fireplace tongs and he pulled a red hot coal from the fire and he placed it there on the outer edge of the fireplace. Walter thought that was a little odd, but quickly ignored it as the two men began to chat and catch up. 
A little over an hour, three cups of coffee later, Pastor Smith said, well, Walter, it's great to catch up with you, and I need to get on my way, and I'm sure you have plenty of things to do yourself. So Walter thanked Pastor Smith for his visit, but then he said, Pastor, I haven't been to church in four weeks, and you haven't said anything about that. Pastor Smith just smiled at Walter and pointed at the coal that he had pulled out from the fireplace earlier. Walter, he said, why isn't that coal burning? With a confused look, Walter said, well, because it wasn't in the fire. Pastor Smith replied, it's the same thing with faith, Walter. God's word and sacrament provide the heat and the flame which keep faith burning. Without receiving God's word, faith cannot survive. Walter smiled sheepishly at Pastor Smith and said, you'll see me on Sunday, Pastor. With a smile, the pastor replied, I look forward to it, Walter. God's peace be with you. You see, separated from God's means of grace, that is his word and sacrament, faith cannot survive. Without oil for the lamp, the lamp will not burn. And this then brings us back to the parable. Jesus is the bridegroom of the church, and until he returns, we are walking and living in faith. Jesus tells us, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. His return will be quickly and without warning. For those who have faith in Christ, those who persevere in the faith, his return is a joyous day. It is the most joyous day. For all who have faith in Christ will be welcomed into the wedding feast, welcomed into the place that he has prepared for his bride, the church. However, for the foolish, whose neglect of the faith eventually becomes an all-out rejection of their Savior, there are only these words. I tell you the truth, I do not know you. These are chilling words. And though we are gathered here this day around God's word and sacrament, we need to take heed lest we fall. The transformation from wise to foolish doesn't happen in a day. Jesus warns you today because he does not want you to neglect and ultimately reject the forgiveness, life, and salvation that he won for you in his crucifixion and resurrection, and then which is given in his word and sacrament. You see, there's a disturbing trend among American Christians, something I saw growing up in the church and something I see more and more of, and in fact, I see it at times in myself. It's a temptation I call bare minimum Christianity. It's a sinful attitude that treats faith in Jesus as though it's some kind of a burden that we have to put up with. This attitude causes thoughts like the following to spring to mind. Seriously? All three Bible readings in worship are long today? <sighs> Doesn't God know that the Chiefs come on at noon? Or, wait a minute, wait a minute, this hymn has eight stanzas. All right, kids, pack up the stuff and go, it's time. We haven't got that much time to give thanks and praise to God. You see what I mean? As a child of God, hearing the word of your Heavenly Father shouldn't be a burden, especially if the worship service is the only time that you hear or read God's word all week. This attitude comes out just as much when it comes to the length of the worship service also. You see, if hearing God's word and receiving his gifts takes an hour, thanks and praise be to God. But if it takes 5, 10, or dare I say 15 minutes longer, well then you complain about it all day, even if you don't say it out loud. Bare minimum Christianity does not stop with Sunday morning, however. It can be seen all throughout the week when we try to avoid our God-given identity as Christians in order to blend in, be comfortable in pagan surroundings. Now if it sounds like I'm just standing up here taking pot shots at you from the pulpit today, that's not the point. I bring this up out of Christian love, and it is because my God-given responsibility is your shepherd. I'm pointing out an attitude that can ultimately, if left unchallenged, lead you, dear saints, 
to neglect and even reject your God-given gift of faith in Christ Jesus. Now, some might protest and think I'm advocating an unrealistic or false view of the Christian life which would require us to be unrealistically happy all the time or to view the world through rose-colored glasses or neglect all of our other God-given vocations in order to dedicate ourselves to hours and hours a day of only Bible study. I'm not saying that. Monasticism tried that and it failed miserably. I'm also not saying worship needs to be two hours long in order to be genuine or God-pleasing. That's not it either. What I'm saying is this. You and I as Christians have been given unimaginably good and gracious gifts from our God and Father, and we should not despise them. Indeed, these gifts are our very life. Rather than giving in to our sinful nature, let us cling to the Word of God and let us rejoice. Because, dear saints, regardless of the circumstances in our lives, we have great cause to rejoice each and every day, for his mercies are new every morning. We rejoice in the Lord's kindness to us in Christ Jesus, and we remember who God has made us to be in baptism. Christ Jesus kept the law in your place. There's nothing for you to do. He's done it all for you. As he proclaimed from the cross, it is finished. It is accomplished. He was crucified and resurrected in order that you would be forgiven, redeemed. And you are, you are, dear children of God. For you see, in baptism, you are joined to Christ's death and resurrection, washed clean of all your sin. God has placed on you his name, made you his saints, and brought you into an eternal family, the church, wherein he continually pours out his gifts of grace by the Holy Spirit in word and sacrament. In this Christian church, as we confess, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers, and on the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. So, dear saints, let us rejoice. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live in him. Christ is surely coming. And until he returns, let us be wise. And let us cherish the gifts of his word and sacrament, for they are life and salvation itself. They are the grace and mercy of God poured out upon you by his spirit. They are oil for your lamps, and they are Christ's free gifts to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is surely coming. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty and eternal God, worthy to be held in reverence by all people everywhere, we give you humble and sincere thanks for the innumerable blessings that you have bestowed on us without any merit or worthiness on our part. We praise you especially for preserving us, for us, your saving word and holy sacraments. Grant and preserve to your holy Church throughout the world purity of doctrine. And provide faithful pastors to teach your word with power. Help all who hear the word rightly to understand and truly to believe it. Send laborers into your harvest and open the door of faith to those who do not know you. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, in mercy bring to repentance the enemies of your church and grant them amendment of life. Protect and defend your church in all tribulation and danger. And sustain with your Holy Spirit our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who experience persecution. Strengthen us and all fellow Christians to set our hope fully on the grace revealed in Christ. And help us to fight the good fight of faith. 
that in the end we may receive the salvation of our souls. Lord, in your mercy. Loving God, bestow your grace on all nations of the earth. Bless especially our country, its inhabitants, and all who are in authority. Let your glory dwell in our land, that mercy and truth, righteousness and peace may abound in all places. Bless also all those who serve in our armed forces, that they may serve with integrity and with honor. Lord, in your mercy. Compassionate Lord, graciously defend us from all calamity by fire and water, from war and pestilence, from scarcity and famine, and from every other evil. Protect and prosper all who labor in their rightful callings, and let all useful arts flourish among us. Be the God and Father of the lonely and the forsaken, the helper of the sick and needy, the comforter of the distressed and those who sorrow. Look with mercy especially upon those who have requested our prayers, including Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that they may ever cling to Jesus as their sure and certain hope. Lord, in your mercy. Grant your Holy Spirit to those who come to the Lord's table this day, that they may receive the very body and blood of Jesus Christ in sincere repentance and firm faith and to their abundant blessing. Lord, in your mercy. Father, as we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour comes, support us by your power and receive us into your heavenly kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We rejoice that him who came as both child and then man was crucified for our redemption is coming soon. We live in that peace and in that hope, and we look forward to that great and glorious last day. A few announcements today. Uh, Of course, following worship, we have Sunday school and Bible study. And this Wednesday, a little different, as Thanksgiving break will have begun for the children, so there is no midweek school. Uh, However, we still have on our calendar uh, a fitness class there at 6 o'clock, and then our Thanksgiving Eve service uh, at 7 p.m., Uh, So we do hope to see you there. Also a reminder, the Thanksgiving cards are available on the card rack in the library. And don't forget, as Advent is quickly approaching, that we will have midweek evening prayer services at 545 with a light supper served prior to that each week. And the first service will then be Wednesday, December 1st. So that is indeed coming quickly. God's peace be with you as we go into this week uh, rejoicing at the Lord's grace throughout another year of our lives and looking forward again to his ever imminent return in mercy and in glory. I'll greet you at the door.